We are on the bottom of Yud Bet Amud Bet 12b. <coughs> we did the we did the Mishnah about um, how you're on Cholamoid. You're allowed to bring in fruit that you're afraid will be stolen, um, as long as you don't intend to do the work on Cholamoid. It just kind of works out that way, and that's what we're up to now. If you look at the two dots on the two lines on the bottom of Yud Bet Amud Bet, Balminer of Yirmiya, Mereb Zera. Rebbe asked uh, Rebbe Zera, "Kivin malachta mamoed." Somebody had intention to do uh, work. Uh, he, he planned. He scheduled the work to be done on Cholamoid, which we know is a no-no, and 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 is subject to a penalty that you're not allowed to benefit from the work that was done. Um, umate, but this individual then dies. Does the f- penalty follow the estate? Or basically, the ultimate question is going to be, is it on the person who did the wrong thing of intentionally scheduling work on Cholamoid? Or does it follow the possessions, the estate, which still exists? Tim Salomar, so at first the Gemara looks for precedent. Top of Yud Gimel, Tzerem, Ozen Bechor, Kanso Bano Acharov. So one precedent might be the case, not nothing to do with Cholamoid, but if, uh, if a person damages the ear, uh, nicks the ear of a Bechor. And now that the Bechor is, uh, is, is a Balmum, he doesn't give it to the Kohen anymore. So you've, uh, you've, 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 you've done something that's not correct. So, um, uh, and, and the, and the, and the, and the says, Kansu Bano So there's a Knas involved. The rabbis uh, created a penalty in that case. And if the person dies, that penalty is incurred by the son, so by the heir. So is that is that a precedent? Does that teach us anything about our case about Cholamoid? So no, maybe not. Mishum di sura That case about wounding, uh, uh, invalidating a firstborn animal, is a iser diraita. The, the work on Cholamoid is an iser drabanon, so you can't really uh, use it as a precedent. Vintim Shlomar. Maybe you want to use as a precedent the following case. Machar Umate, if you sell your Evid Kanani to non-Jews, which is uh, a prohibition midrabanan, because an Evid Kanani has um, ha- is uh, obligated in mitzvot on a certain level. Right? He's not Jewish, but he's in the uh, ownership of a Jew. He's chayav in mitzvot uh, that are not uh, that are not time bound. And now that he's owned by non-Jews, he doesn't have any mitzvot. So the, the rabbis created uh, a prohibition, which is liable for a penalty if you sell your uh, Evid Kanani to uh, Gentiles. But if, and, and if you do that and that person dies, right? there is a kanas that that penalty follows the estate. So no, so is that a precedent for us for intentionally doing work on Cholamoid? No, there, Mishum, to call Yoma Mafkalev Mitzvot. We say that there, as opposed to the, the, the intentional work done on Cholamoid, you did it, it's over. It's a, when it comes to the sold slave, it's an ongoing situation. Every day that he is in the uh, uh, ownership of a, of a Gentile, he is, pro, he is prevented from, or he's no longer obligated in Mitzvot. So that's an ongoing situation that needs to be addre- addressed. Redressed by even by the heirs, and that, therefore it's not similar. Even though they're both the Surah Rabbanon, working on Cholamoid and uh, selling a an to uh, Goyim, 
nonetheless, the uh, the impact is different, and therefore you can't uh, learn. You can't necessarily learn one from the other. Hachamai. So here, so we we try to find precedent. Doesn't really work. At the end of the day, what's the deal with a person who does uh, intentionally does malacha, plans malacha on cholamoid, and then that person dies? Does the estate incur the penalty? Gavra Khanish Rabbanan Vahalesa, what was the whole intent, the whole uh, establishment of a kanas, of a penalty on the person that the rabbis instituted, on the person, and the person's no longer? Odiyoma Mamona Khanish Rabbanan Vahisa, or was the uh, penalty on the, on the money, on the income that's generated, and the income exists even though the person is no longer alive? Summerlay. So we know that, uh, who's he asking? He asked Rabzeira, so Rabzeira gets back to him. Tanisua, we've learned this. Sadesh and Nit Kavtsa Bishviet. A field that you have removed the uh, thorns uh, during Shemitah year, right? You're not allowed to do that. Uh, but we, we, it's wrong, but we don't penalize you. And Tizra Lamotse Shviet. Once Shemitah is over, you would be allowed to um, uh, plant that field. Uh, I think um, um, no, he doesn't have it here. The the I guess the I think I saw in the notes that uh, the removing the thorns and stuff is not such a big improvement whereby we want we, we would afterwards the rabbis would afterwards penalize you. However, nityava onidaira, if you actively fertilize or you pen up your animals so that they fertilize the the field. Uh, during Shemitah, there the rabbis established a penalty that if you do this during Shemitah, you've improved it to an extent that we don't allow you to benefit from it, and therefore you're not allowed to uh, plant the field uh, that y- immediately after Shemitah. So we see that Vam Rav Yis Veriosi Barchaninan Aktinan Hativa Umeit Benozora Right? And well, that here's the here's the kicker. Rav Yosi says that if a person fertilizes field during Shemitah and then dies during Shemitah, let's say, or at the end of Shemitah, his son is allowed to plant that field afterwards. The mm. penalty does not transfer from generation to generation. Alma, so we, it seems, we see, the rabbis were interested in penalizing the person. But not interested in penalizing his estate, nor his, uh, his, dis- his heirs. Similarly, so too, when it comes to a person who intentionally planned work for Chol HaMoed, the, uh, the, the, the establishment of the rabbinic penalty is on the person himself and not on his heirs or his estate. So Rabaye Abaye says, Naktinan, we've, we've learned, is established. Time Tarotav. If you have uh, Tahar food and you, uh, and you make it Tameh, which you're allowed to eat, but it's on a different level. Certain people won't eat it. It may not be... It's wrong to do. The rabbis did not want you going around and and ritually um, contaminating food that was in a state of Tara. And if you do so, there's a penalty. But if you do so, and, and if a person does so and dies, lo kansu beno acharav. The penalty is not transferred to the next generation. My taima. Why? So here we, 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 we just mention a concept which is an interesting one. Hezek shein or nikr lo hezek. If you damage something in a way that's not discernible to the eye, that's not discernible to uh, it's not it, right. It's it's a spiritual 
uh, it's a spiritual damage, right? The the food is no longer tahor; it's now tame, but the food is exactly the same. We don't consider that to be hezek, uh, and and therefore the only the only penalty is a rabbinic penalty. It's not a real hezek, right? If it's a real hezek, a hezek can be um, can be inherited, right? Let's say a person owes. Uh, let's say a person punches someone in the face, and then the uh, the the assailant dies, and and the victim can collect from the estate. That's a real hezek. But this type of hezek, this type of damage, is not discernible, and therefore it doesn't transfer. But, how however, the rabbis came along, the rabbis established a penalty, and that penalty only applies to him, the, uh, the perpetrator, and not to his... Not to his son. So the answer is that the penalty of work intentionally done in Cholamoid would, uh, would not transfer to uh, the, the, the estate. Mishnah. We're going to do a, a few Mishnah today. So it's going to be a little bit of quick succession. Um, you're not allowed to uh, buy or sell. Um, uh, really buy. Um, a house... A, sl- a slave, an animal on Cholamoid, El Torchamoid, unless you need it for Cholam, unless you need it for Yantif. Oh, the Torchamocher Shelo Mayochal. Or you're allowed to buy it from a seller who needs to sell it for uh, for in order to uh, have something to eat. And it, it seems to imply, right, from the Mishnah, it would sound like if I. A, a, a purchaser has two uh, scenarios in which I would be allowed to buy something, right? One scenario would be that I need it for Yantuf. The other scenario is I don't need it for Yantuf, but the mocher needs it for Yantuf, right? The mocher need, doesn't have anything mm-hmm. to eat, which is interesting, right? Because we, we, we could have said, yeah, the person who's selling is allowed to sell it, but why am I allowed to buy it, right? Unless there's some sort of charity sort of thing going on here, but it's an interesting thing, so let's keep that in mind. But I mean, a, Rava, so if a seller doesn't have anyone to sell to, then right, somebody but, has to buy it. Okay, but you know, maybe that's what the maybe maybe right. Maybe I wouldn't expect it in the Mishnah, but maybe the the Gemara might want to tell us under what circumstances is the purchaser allowed to purchase it from someone who needs to sell? Is it always does he have to does he have to do diligence to find someone who needs it for the moed and then we'll see. I don't th- actually the Gemara doesn't talk about it, but. It's an interesting uh, question. <laughs> Talks about other things. Bamine Rava me Rav Nachman. Rava asked Rav Nachman something else. Schar pu'ula shein lo mahu. A person, right, we talked about goods. Goods can be purchased either because you need the goods for the yantav, or the seller of those goods has nothing to eat for yantav. What, what about services? Can a service provider provide you services for a fee if that service provider does not have anything to eat and needs it, right? We don't we don't talk about that. So it's it, it, it's not explicit in the Mishnah. So Merlei, Rav Nachman says Tanina Olator Chamocher Shein Lo Mayochal, right? He, Rav Nachman initially says that's what the Mishnah says at the end that a you can buy from someone um, or engage with someone he wants to understand it to mean goods or services from someone who needs it. To, to, to eat on Yantif. Latuyamai, what does it come to include? Lav Latuyisharpula, doesn't it come to include a service provider that's renting out his services that is hired? Lo Prushi Kamafarish. So um Rama pushes back and says, No, you need it 
to tell us that that scenario is permitted, right? Like I said, it's not obvious. There's two scenarios, one from the perspective, one that is the criteria when the purchaser can purchase, and one is the criteria when the seller can sell. And, and, and if the Mishnah talks about goods, then Rava suggests that it's only about goods. It's not about services. Goods, yes. Services, no. And, and you could actually understand that because sales as a category are not prohibited. Right? You can buy and sell on Cholamoid for the purposes of Yantif. Work is prohibited, Midrabanan, right? So who says he can sell his services if his services entail work? Right? So I think Rava has a fair point. The Mishnah should not be understood expansively. The Mishnah should be understood localized to the extent that uh, it explicitly tells us that goods can be sold if the seller needs it uh, for, for food for Yantif. So Amar led eight right? Four lines after the Gemara, Abaye uh, asked, "Ain kotvin shtarichov b'moed." You're not allowed to write uh, documents on on cholamoid. Vim eno mamino, right? Let's say there's a transaction that was permitted, and the, there's a there's a lack of trust, uh, you know. So they want to have a paper trail. Oh, she'en mayochal, or the person doesn't have what to eat. Uh, right, so then you could write, you can you can hire a sofer, a scribe, to write the star. So shenlo mayochala tuyemai. What does it mean? Who who doesn't have what to eat, and therefore it's permissible. Uh, it's permissible to write a a a, a document. Uh, right. It, it seems like we're talking about the sofer, right? You can, uh, if you need a, if you need a document written, and there's a sofa in town that doesn't have what to eat for yantif, you can uh, contract that sofa to write for you, mm. right? So shmamina, that seems to be a proof for what we're saying that you are allowed that that when we, that that the that the mishnah should be read expansively, right? That when the mishnah says that the uh, person that has nothing to eat can sell. And it talks about goods. It's lavdafka goods. It's also services. So Moti Rav Sheshet, Rav Sheshet asked, the Chachamim Omrim, the Chachamim, uh, the Chachamim taught, Shalosh Umniot Osin Malacha Barve Psachim Ad Chatzot. There's a similar case. It's not exactly the same. Work on Erev Pesach. Right? Work on Erev Pesach was restricted, but there were some carve-outs. One of those carve-outs is, the Chachamim mentioned three types of uh, three types of work that were permitted on Erev Pesach, until noontime. Hachayatin, tailors, hasafarin, um, the uh, be, uh, barbers, right, haircuts, vakosin, and laund- launderers. Not money launderers, uh, clothing launderers, right? Why? why? Why were these permitted? Well, one reason we could think of, obviously, is these are all things you need to do right before Yantaf, right? You, you want to make sure you get a haircut, you want to have clean clothes, you want to make sure your hems are in good place, but that's not what he says here. Chayatin, the reason the Chachamim gave is a Chayatin, why tailors? Shekain, Hedjot, Tofer, Kedarko, Bechol, Shomoid. Right? The, the, the reason why the expert tailor was allowed to work on Arab Yantif is because this type of activity is permissible 
in localized, we're comparing Erev Pesach to Chol and these three activities are permissible under certain circumstances, even on Chol And therefore they're permitted on, on Erev Pesach. That's the logic that's being used here. So a Chayatin, right, an expert tailor, is allowed to work on Erev Pesach because Hedyot Tofer Kedarko B'Chol because a, a, a non, an amateur is allowed to uh, sew on Chol Asafarin, a barber, Vakovsin, and a and a and a, and a laundry uh, out, outlet is allowed to work on Arab Pesach. Shekain Habayim Medina Tayam, Vayotzim Beit Asurin, Asurin Mutarin Lasabr Lachabis Bechol Shomoid. And 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 similarly, when it comes to laundry, when it comes to haircuts, uh, you're allowed to. These professionals are allowed to work on Arab Pesach because under certain circumstances, which we'll see at the beginning in the in the next parak. Next week, they're, they're, they're allowed to be performed uh, even on Cholamoid, right? Somebody who gets out of jail, somebody who was on a boat and couldn't get his hair cut, and now he's home on Cholamoid, he'd be allowed to get his hair cut. So what, 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 what did the Chachamim do? We're on the first wide line. The Chachamim compared the, uh, the, the, the Isra Malacha, or the permission to do certain Malachot on Arab Pesach, based on the carve-outs that are allowed on Cholamoid. If something was allowed under certain circumstances to be done on Cholamoid, then it was permissible in more broad form by professionals on our Pesach. That's how Abaya understands... Uh, what was it? Roshashas. Right, that's how Roshashas understands it. If you hold that a person can, can, can hire himself out on Cholamoid if he has nothing to eat, Right, right. Then, then the Mishnah doesn't follow. Then the statement of the Chachamim doesn't follow, because then the Chachamim should have said everything is permissible on Erev Pesach, because the logic is what's permissible on Cholamoid under certain circumstances is permissible more broadly on Erev Pesach. But Rosh Hashanah says, if you're right that you're allowed to rent yourself out if you have nothing to eat, then really there's a circumstance in which every malacha is permissible on Cholamoid by someone who needs to rent themselves out in order to survive Yantav. And therefore, everything should be permissible on Arab Pesach. So, uh, so that's going to be a problem uh, if, we, if we stick with that logic. Similarly, Matzah Rapapa. Rapapa also had a, had a problem with saying that hiring out uh, is, uh, is permissible on Cholamoid. Almeata Binyan Lishtari. Let, then uh, building should be allowed on Arab Pesach also. Shekain Kotel Hagoel or Shutarabim Sotorvona Kedarko Vidasakana. Right, we, we we've learned this that uh, on Cholamoid, if there's a danger to the public thoroughfare, you're allowed to uh, build. So if you're allowed to build under that circumstance, then you should be allowed to build generally on Arab Pesach. We know we, we we know that that's not the case. That's not what we're holding here. Matzivlo uh, Ravina. El Meata, another sort of challenge to this. Lavlar Lishtari. Let 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 a sofer be permitted permit let it be permissible to hire a sofer. Shakane Kotvin Kidushi Nashim Gitin Vashovrin, you're allowed to write on Cholamoid documents related to marriage and divorce and receipts. Right, so these are all questions along the same lines. That 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 if if on if we have a very 
uh, broad permission to hire that a person can hire himself out for any malacha on cholamoid if he has nothing to eat then that doesn't uh, relate back to the restrictions that we seem to have placed on Erev Pesach. El Amar Bashi, Moed Arbasa Karamit. We said, we, 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 the, the, the initial, the initial presum- assumption that we made about comparing the restriction on work on Cholamoid with the restriction on work on Erev Pesach is flawed, and that's how we're going to get out of it. Right? Are you going to, are you comparing the two? Moed, why is there a restriction on work on Cholamoid Mishum Tirchahu? Because of the effort. We want you focused on Yantav and instead you're 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 busy belabored with work. In the in, in if there's a loss involved potential loss involved, the rabbis waived the prohibition of work on Cholamoid. Arbaasar, right, Arab Pesach, there's no we're not worried about Tircha, there's plenty of Tircha in Arab Pesach, right? You're busy. What's the issue? Mitzum tzarach yantavu, right? They, they want you focused on that which you need for for yantav. Midi the tzarach yantav sharabanan. Midi the lav tzarach yantav lo sharabanan. So that's the answer. It's not we 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 reject the initial assumption that Rav Sheshis made in the words of the Chachamim, and really the Chachamim say those things that you need for yantav you're allowed to do on our on our pesach. Those things that you don't need. Uh, imminently for Yontav itself or the Seder or whatever, then you're not allowed to do. It has nothing to do. There's no, there's no comparison between the restrictions of work on Tolomoid and the restrictions of work on Arab Pesach. I think more, more so the 14th of, of, of you know, before Pesach is you basically have to bring in Pesach by midday. Everything should be turned over, everything's in, you're done. Right? right? Like, I mean, Sukkot, on the other hand, you can work and build your Sukkot right up till. So, yes, you know, well, that's true. I mean, there, there's a so parak in, in, in Pesachim that talks about, well, first of all, we have to recognize that what we call Erev Pesach in the times of the Beis Amigdash was a yantav. It was called Pesach, oh. Chag Pesach, <laughs> right? What we call Pesach was, is in the Torah is called Chag HaMatzot. Major distinction. And okay. what, what, what we call Erev Pesach was called Chag Pesach. Why? Because that's when they would bring the Karban Pesach. Uh-huh. They would start to bring the Karban Pesach after Chatzot. So the Gemara, the Gemara, I think, I forget which parak it is. In Pesachim, there's a parak that starts, Malcolm Shinagu. There were different customs about when the, the when the restriction on Malacha began yeah. on Arab on Pesach. Did it, it start from the start morning? Bringing, right, because you only start bringing it after okay. daytime Chatzot. Right, so, so that's, why we, that's why he mentions Chatzot here, because that seems to be the in other words, in other words, everyone ag- everyone agrees there's a restriction on malacha. Again, letzorach moed you're going to allow to do until shkia, but there's a restriction on some type of work already starting at 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 chatzot. Some had the custom to even from the from the morning to refrain from uh, those types of non necessary malacha. That's a that's a mishnah in, in Pesachim and a gemara there, but that that. So yes, I'm just I'm just uh, mm-hmm. agreeing with your point that right. Arab Pesach is different than Arab Shavuos and Arab Sukkot in a very formal halachic uh, halachic way. Right. We we there, there's some remnant of that even to this day, uh, although no one would talk about because in the absence of a Karban Pesach, no one would really talk about a Makom Shinagu to avoid Malacha from the morning. It just doesn't. It's it, it's hard to imagine because there's no carbon pesach, but there is an idea that uh, that that work begins to be curtailed, uh, non non yantif, uh, requ- you know necessities begin to be uh, curtailed once you get the chatzot. Mm-hmm. Um, next mishnah, 
Ein mefanin mibayit labayit. The mission itself is a little bit uh, unclear. Um, I think I'll translate it based on the Gemara. You're not allowed to move items from one house to another. Right? You're not allowed to move, you're not allowed to schlep on Cholomoed. Because right? again, we're worried about Tircha. Aval mafanahu lechatzero. But you would be allowed to move it from one house to another within the same chatzer. Right? That's, if we think about how uh, right, neighborhoods were built around shared courtyards and then there were houses around the courtyard. So if you have a house here and a house in another courtyard, you can't move it from here to here. But within the courtyard itself, you'd be allowed to move it. Let's assume that that's what the Mishnah means. By the way, uh, we, we had mentioned last week, this isn't to do with this, but the piece before, where there was a Chumrah on Cholamoid over Shabbos, right? Remember we had that in the last, um, on, the last, on the last page. This seems to be another Chumrah, this another, like if you ever had a trivia, in what way is, is Cholamoid more, more stringent than Shabbos? Right, so another way is tircha, right? Like in theory, on a, on, a, on a technical level, you could. I always talk about you can carry a sack of potatoes all around your house on Shabbos, right? And there's no violation because on Shabbos the violation is uh, creative labor. Whereas it could be again, I don't know for sure, but it could be that there's a violation of the rabbinic idea of malacha on cholamoid. Because they're worried about tircha. The malachat on Shabbos are not about tircha, they're about creativity, right? Mm-hmm. There's no tircha and switching a light on on Shabbos, but you've created a circuit. Something to think about. Fine, so aim and me by You're not allowed to move from one house to the other in different chatzerot, but you're allowed to move stuff from one house to another within the same chatzer. Aim evian, kele me by uman. If you had um, if you had utensils that were in the um, craftsman shop, you can't bring them home on Cholamoe because you're, you're not allowed to use those. It's often tools. Let's say there's no use for them. If, if you're worried, if you're worried about leaving them in the craftsman's uh, showroom, um, then you can take them out, but you move them to the closest chatzar, the house in the closest chatzar to the um, to his uh, workshop. And so you limit yourself, and you limit your interaction with these items, because you don't need them for yantav. The Gemara asks, "Mama Rachel, ain't refining klal." So the, we're going to clarify the the, the Mishnah, because at first it said you can't move it, and then the Mishnah says you can move it. So what does it mean? At first we said you can't move it at all. When we said you can't move it from one house to the other, it means in two different chatzerot. And when it said you can move it, it means from one house to another within the same chutzar, in the same courtyard. Okay. Four lines from the bottom. And you can't bring home tools, utensils, not needed for Yantif, from the craftsman's house. Our uh, workshop. Amar Papa, Badiklan Rava. Rapapa said that Rava gave us a test. He wanted to quiz us. Tanan, there's a Mishnah that says, Our Mishnah says you're not allowed to bring home utensils from the uh, craftsman's workshop. But we ask on it, You're allowed to um, uh, bring, uh, bring to and bring from uh, the, uh, the, the uh, craftsman's house. Even if you don't need it for the Moed, right? That's, that's different. 
Roshaninan, so we answered him. Roshaninan lay, we answered uh, Rava, who's giving us a test. Kan bar basar, kan bachol shalmoid. On, 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 on uh, Arab Pesach, you're allowed to bring them, bring them back. You're allowed to. On Arab on Chol Amoid, you're not allowed to. Ibai Seima, or if you want, I'll say another possibility. Hava Hava Chol Shalmoid. Everything's Chol Amoid. So, and Kan Bavamino. If you trust the craftsman to guard your item that's done, then you have to leave it there. Kamashanamamino, if you're worried that he's going to lose it, break it, steal it, sell it, and there'll be a loss, then you can take it home. You can do what you need to do because of a, a, of a potential loss. Vatanya, and indeed, this is what we've learned. In a, this is a support. This is a support. The Brita is a support. It's what we just said. Mavin Kalin, Mibita Uman. You're allowed to bring home uh, uh, utensils from the craftsman's uh, workshop. Kigon, Kad, Mibita Kadad. You're allowed to bring a jug from the potter's house uh, from the workshop. Coast, we beat a zagog and a, and, a, and a goblet from the glass blower's uh, glass blower's house. Avalo tsevah, we beat a tsevah, lokele, we uman. But you're not allowed to bring, uh, in general, uh, the flax from the dyer's house or, uh, or, 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 or tools from a, from a, from a tool maker's, from a blacksmith's house, right? We mean, right? Because those tools, those items you're not going to use on Yantav. Right, Rashi says, "Ain't so chamoid." The raw flax and the uh, the dyed flax and the tools you're not allowed to use on yontav, so you can't bring them. Vimelo mayochal. If if the uman has nothing to eat, right, needs the work, no ten lo scharo. You're allowed to pay him. Umenichu etzlo, and you're allowed to leave the tools with him. Vimeno mamino. If you don't trust him, menicho bebeit hasamachlo. Right, you're allowed to. If you don't trust him, you could take him home if they're done, and leave him in a in the in, in, in a in a house nearby. If you're worried that in that house nearby, it, the uh, tools will get stolen, maybe I'm going to skip the parentheses. You're allowed to bring him all the way back to your house, betsina, right? Private. Privately, without a lot of fanfare. Uh, so we say, Taratsta, so, so this explains, right, this Brita and what we said before, explain, potentially explains, um, how the two Mishnahs that were conflicting on the end of Yagimelam of Aleph can be resolved. If you trust the workman, the, the craftsman, you have to leave your tools there. If you don't trust him, then if there's a potential loss, then you're allowed to bring it out of the showroom, even as far as your home. So, but Rava... Right, Rava says that explains Mevian. Right, Taratz Mevian, Malichin Kasha. Right, that ex- what you've just done explains why you're allowed to bring home, right, the the, the tools. But what about Malichin? Why are you allowed to bring them to the craftsman in the first place? Right, we said Malichin Mevian Kaleh Veta Uman. You're allowed to both ways, not just bring them home, but bring them too. Um, right, so it, what, what we've said works when it comes with, with the piece of the Mishnah that talks about bringing tools. But what about bringing tools from the craftsman's house? What about bringing tools to the craftsman's house? That becomes an issue. It doesn't, it doesn't resolve as cleanly. And therefore, Ella, Machavarta, Kedashinina, Meikara. 
go back to the original answer that you gave, which was differentiating between Cholomoed and Erev Pesach. In Erev Pesach, you're allowed more latitude, on, which we had explained earlier why. Okay. Because the an- we, part of the answer we gave is the reason why you're allowed to bring home the tools is because you don't trust him. So why? How does that help bringing him the tools in the first place? It doesn't. It doesn't. Right. That's what Rashi says. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't jibe. It doesn't work through. And therefore, stick with your first answer, differentiating between Cholamoid and Erev Pesach. One more Mishnah. End of the parak. We're excited. Mechaf mechapin et haktziot bekash. Uh, you can cover cut figs with straw on Cholamoid. Reb Yehuda said you can even cover them with a thick layer of straw. Let's assume that that's what it means. There'll be a little discussion in the Gemara. Mochre Perot Kasut Vakalim. Fruit sellers and clothing sellers and household item sellers. Mochre Betzina Latar Cholamoid. They're allowed to sell. They're allowed to do can transact business quietly for the per, for for those things that are needed for cholamoid. Hatsayadin, hunters, v'hadashushot, v'hagurusot, um, trappers, grain pounders, and bean grinders. Right, that takes a little bit of effort, makes a little bit of noise. Right, osin bitsino tzar cholamoid, but you still may need them. They can work. They can do their business. They can transact business quietly for the needs of the of the Yantav. Rabbi Yossi Omer, hey mechmir al Rabbi Yossi has this uh, somewhat cryptic statement. They were machmir on themselves. Presumably they limited their activity. Who and what? We'll see as the Gemara unfolds. Pligi bar Rabchia bar Abba Rabasi. Betarvaya mishmei dechizkiyah Rabbi Yochanan. There's a machloket Rabba Rabasi, which was also reflected in a machloket Tanayim, Rabbi Yochanan and Chizkiyah. It's, it, we're really trying to uh, define our terms. We talked about cut figs that would be left out, and you're allowed to cover them so that you don't they don't get messed up. What exactly does it mean to cover them? Right. So one opinion is mechapin aklushi that covering them is with a klushi, right, with with a, a thin layer, and ma'avin asmuchi. And when it says ma'avin, it means you you cover it with a lot of stalks close together with a heavy cover. The other opinion is No, mechafin means you cover it with straw, whether it's sparsely covered with straw or thickly covered with straw, it's covering it with straw. And ma'avin means osa oto kamin kri, right? And you, you form it into a compact pile. That's another way of sort of protecting it, as if you smush it all together. And we know that that's how they would, um, right? You see it even today, right? You ever go to the store and you see the, the, the wrapped the wrapped figs, they're all like in a circle, mm. right? So that's, you know, that, that's a throwback, uh, in some ways a throwback to what I had over there. So Tanya Nami and we have a brighter that supports this idea. Ma'avin, what does it mean to be ma'avin? And Ose Oto Kamin Kri, that this is an idea that you're allowed to, again, I think the point is, is that some of these figs you're not going to use on Cholomoid or Yantif, and still you're allowed to because otherwise they'll be, they'll be harmed. You're allowed to protect them either by covering them or by compacting them. Mochei Perksut Vakalim, right in the Mishnah, we said that uh, if you sell uh, fruit or uh, clothing or, um, you know, household goods that are needed for the Moed, you're allowed to conduct business. Bitsina, right, quietly. Ibailahu. Hechmiro, hein Echmiro al 
right? So we're going straight to the end, right? We said that certain Rav Yossi at the end of the Mishnah said certain uh, certain of these people uh, would be machmir on themselves, and so we want to know what does it mean that they were stringent on themselves? Does it mean that they wouldn't work at all on Cholamoid? Or does it mean that they would do they would work, but they would be sure to work Bitsino uh, in private? So Tashma, let's come try to figure this out. If you sell sellers of fruit and clothing and household items, the Tanakhama says you're allowed to sell them quietly for the needs of the Moed. Rabbi Yossi Omer, Rabbi Yossi said, There Rabbi Yossi says clearly that the sellers in Tveria were mocking on themselves in what way? That they wouldn't do it at all. Right, it's the Tanakama only allows you to do a bitsina, and the chumra that Rabbi Yossi talks about is that they would not engage in commerce at all. right? Another statement: hunters of uh, animals and birds and fish. You're allowed to do so for the for 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 food for yantif quietly. Rabbi Yossi Omer Tzadei Ako, the hunters in Ako, Heinech Miralatzma Shleiu Tzadei Koliker. So we, it seems there's a pattern. When Rabbi Yossi says they were machmer, it means they wouldn't engage in this activity at all. Teshushe Chilka Targis Vitisni, grinders of um, those who pound out Chilka Targis and Tisni, right? So they would pound some sort of grain. We'll see in a moment that that's a matter of dispute what exactly this is. But they would doshin betzino tarchamoid. They would grind, pound it out um, in in private, whatever was needed for yantiv. And riosi omer the shushi tzipore hene achmiralatz v'shlo doshin kolikar. The shushi of uh, the pounders in tzipore were machmir in that they wouldn't do it at all. So that's pretty clear that the chumra of riosi is that they would people wouldn't do it at all. There's a flip side though. The gemara doesn't deal with it here. Is that were they concerned that the, these provisions would not be available? Right? Like, what did people in Dishush and Tsipore do for split grain? If, if you know, let's say you need it on Yantif and no one's doing that work, right? Do you go to a different town? Right? Because on the one hand, we, want, we don't want people working on Yantif. On the other hand, we want people to have the provisions they need. What about to celebrate right after Yantav, or is that not a concern? Uh, right, so maybe the idea was to create a culture in which people buy enough before Yantav. Yeah, I mean, these, this isn't food that has to be so fresh, right? It's true. It's you true. Could, they could grind it in advance. You grind it in advance. Maybe that's maybe that's the culture that they created. Doesn't mention butchers. Why doesn't it mention butchers? It mentions um, trappers. Right, not people butchers. butchered their own. Oh. They they just didn't trap. I don't know. They they may have even. Sh- I don't know so if they said there's no option. This is you gotta you gotta butcher your meat every day. Right, uh-huh. right. No refrigeration. No refrigeration. Right. There's right. no like if you want meat, you right. gotta go that day to go get it. Right. Modern day. You gotta find you gotta find a few people. Right. Like the five of the four of us should go get a, uh, a lamb today because you know we're not gonna be able to share the chutz. The ones that share the. Who wants some lamb chops? You know, get them get them while you can. Um, okay. Uh, fine. Now we're going to spend a little bit of time. We're going to become experts in pounded, uh, pounded grain. Oh, good. Yeah, we haven't we haven't uh, sharpened our expertise in areas in a little while. So here we go. Rabbi Yosi, no, Amar Abaye, Chilka, 
What's chilka? Chada latarti that you that you grind a, that you pound a, pea, a a kernel of wheat into two. Targis chada latlas. Targis is you 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 turn one kernel of wheat into three. Tisni chada larba. Tisni is a finer uh, grind. It's not ground. It's split. Right. It's it's it's. Uh, I think Archibald says grits. Right. So that's uh, we are in the south, right? Right. I mean, that's and that's the difference between flour and grits, right? You don't grits you you, you split uh, split split uh, a grain. It's not it's not ground. Tisti chalabar kiater of dimi amar kunta. Rav dimi said no. It's not it's not wheat that's split. It's uh, spelt. Meitve. We ask a question. Chilka targets for tisni tmein b'cholmakom. Chilka, Targis, and Tisni is automatically hochsher lekabel tuma, meaning if it comes into contact with, uh, with with something that's tame, it becomes tame. So, and again, the only way that that can happen, uh, um, uh, a raw grain that that was just harvested cannot become tame. Once it becomes in contact with water, then that grain can become tame. Mm. Right there's actually right there's a number of different um, uh, um, liquids that if something comes into contact with, then that it can uh, prepare it to become tame. So we're saying that these uh, great these items, chilka, targus, and tisni, are all prepared to become tame if they come in contact with something that's ritually impure. no matter what. So we want to prove one of the two opinions as to what these things are. Right? If you hold that it's grits, right? It's that wheat that's been pounded into one, two, three, or four. Then we understand why it's prepared to become tame. Because the only way that you can uh, that the, the, the only way that you can you can pound it is if you you uh, took off the outer husk and that was done with water. Right? So once it was exposed to water, now it could become contract uh, tuma. No, so if it's spelt, spelt in its raw form should not be prepared, should not be necessarily ready to become tame. It hasn't been prepared in any way. So why? So that seems to be a proof that these terms, uh, right? That these terms of chilka, targis, and, til- and tisni are in fact uh, split wheat and not spelt. So we say no. Hello, kagon dimikalfin. Right? No, they were husked, even the spelt. Dila and Dilav, the Sharlo, Bamayalo, Havi Mikalfi. Right? The only way that you can husk the uh, grain is if you wet it to separate it from the, from the kernel. But my Karle Chilka, so if it's spelt, why do you call it Chilka? The Shakal Chilkia, because once you take off the husk, it's very smooth, the grain, the seed itself. Chalak. Meitve, we ask a question. And again, we're still trying to figure out what. We're becoming experts in Chilga, Tisni, and um, and Targis. Uh, so if Hanoder mina Dagon, if you if you if you swear off Dagon, say I'm off grain, right? Aser af bepola mitzrayavish. You're not allowed to um, uh, consume uh, dry Egyptian bean, right? Because it, it must be more like it must look like a grain. Umutar belach, you're allowed to eat the fresh ones because they look like beans. Umutar Baorez, you're allowed to eat rice, that's not Dagon. Chilka, Targis, and Tisni. And you're also allowed to eat Chilka, Targis, and Tisni. 
So obviously it seems that Chilka, Targus, and Tisni is not. Um, uh, well, let's see. Bishlam al-Manda Amar Chada al-Tarti al-Chada al-Tlas Chada al-Arba. If you hold that Chilka, Targus, and Tisni are wheat that's been split, Shapir, it makes sense that you would be allowed to eat it even though you swore off grain. It's no longer considered grain once you split it. But if you hold that it's spelt, spelt in its raw form is certainly dagon, it's certainly grain, and therefore it doesn't make sense that these things, that chilka is, 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 is uh, spelt, because otherwise it should be uh, prohibited uh, if you swear off grain. Kasha. So it's, 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 it's left as a kasha. In other words, it's difficult. The opinion that holds that chilka is spelt has a problem with this brysa. Is this just for Pesach or is this in general? This is, this is specifically talking about nidarim, right? if I swear off these, right. the, the term dagan. But we know, um, yeah, not, it's not, I know that, like, for instance, rice is not dagan. We know rice is not dagan. You can't make matzah out of rice because it's not dagan. The idea that somehow if you split it, it's not dagon, that, that doesn't fit into the categories that I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. Again, nidarim are more expansive. Your words are, are we're machmir on nidarim in the sense that, um, but here we're saying that Chilka, Targis, and Tisni would not be considered dagon. Not 100% sure how that, how that mm-hmm. works. Rafuna, Sharluhu, Lahanu, Krufaita, Lamezal Lizvuni, Kyurkayu Bashuka. Rafuna would allow the spice sellers to sell spices in the shuk in the normal way as they would normally do. Eitve Rukana, so Rukana asked, Chanut Petuchal Estav, Potech Veno El Kedarko. If you have a shop that opens into a, um, into a sort of a, a semi private area, Right, um, it doesn't open into the public thoroughfare, right? So that type of store, you can open and close in a normal fashion on Cholamoid because it's bitzina, assuming you're allowed to to engage in commerce, right? Petuchal is harabim, but if the store opens up to a public thoroughfare, potech achad v'noel achad, right? Like think about the doors, right? You have two doors that would open up. You, you open up one door and you leave the other door closed, right? That's the sort of the tzina that you uh, that you do. That it's semi-private, semi-public. The Arab Yom Tamachron Shalchag, Arab the end days of Yontif. Motzi umater at shukayir beperot bishvil kavod Yom Tamachron. Right, so like the Arab Arab of the end days, it's a difference of opinion whether it's only on Hoshana Rabbah for Shmini Atzeret, which is a separate Yantaf, or is it even on uh, the Arab end days of end day, or end days for us of Pesach? Right, you can sell regular. Right, you can go all out because it's for Yantaf. So they wanted to make sure that they had right. Here's the the flip side: they wanted to make sure they had provisions for Yantaf. Mm-hmm. So they allow those who are allowed permitted to sell to sell in the normal way. Once you get to Arab Yantav. Um it's a difference of opinion. Because again the language is Yantav Akram Shalchag. In general we assume Chag to mean Sukkis. Yantav Akram Shalchag is normally the language for um uh for 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 um for Shminyat Saret, but the, 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 the logic would seem to uh apply 
to the last day to the era of the last day of Pesach also. Um, but what, what what do we infer from this statement that they would go all out on Arab, the era of the end days? Right? So um, the only reason you're allowed to go all out is because in the normal fashion is for is on Arab the end days of Yantav. But in general on Cholomoid you weren't allowed to. So that's a big that's it is a question on Rafuna. Right? Four lines up. Where Rafuna allowed the merchants to sell spices in the normal way. Why was that allowed? All Cholomoid, and there's no caveat that it was only era of the end days of Yantav. So Lokash, it's not a question. Habipiri Habitavlin. The difference is between selling produce, where you would sell large amounts, and if you sell large amounts, it's not clear that it's only for Cholomoid. Therefore, if you're going to engage in that, again, you're allowed to engage in it because you need it for the Moed, but it's not clear that you're only buying it for the Moed, so you have to do it in a Tzina way. You can't do it in the normal way. With Tavlin, though, it's... Um, uh, you, everyone knows, as Rashi says, that it's for the Moed because you buy small amounts, right? Spices you'd buy in small increments. They didn't have Costco back then. You couldn't buy, you know, 10 pounds of, uh, of Tavlin at one time. And therefore, um, also, it, it seems to have been a very um, uh, un- shelf-unstable product, Rashi says, right? The, everyone knows, because you bought in small increments and because She'en Ru'in Litkayim and it wouldn't last for a long time, Therefore, you're allowed to sell it in the normal way in public because what you're buying in terms of spices on Yontav is specifically for Yontav. No preservatives back then. No preservatives. Uh, I thought it was also because it was expensive, so you'd only buy small amounts, but Rashi focuses on uh, the fact that it was not stable, shelf-stable. Right? Hadron Lach Mishafach. Thank you.